Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number four for Tuesday, December 4. Wow. I tell you that every week, don't I? <laughs> These lessons uh, begin, I'm thinking it's going to go in one direction and it just, whew, the Lord just uh, answers my prayers. I'm asking him, Lord, make these a blessings. I don't want to just repeat what's in the pages, but to highlight other things that can help you, can help us, and definitely help me. On Tuesday's lesson, I underline a whole bunch of stuff on this day. And I'll, all I'm going to do is extract the three C's that are found in this uh, on this day's lesson. And the three C's that Paul highlights, uh, two of them are, of course, negative. They uh, encourage uh, dissensions, divisions. Um, they, they inhibit oneness. But there's the one that, of course, implies or directs us to uh, oneness. And the three C's are... The two negatives are comparison and competition, and the one that uh, creates, facilitates oneness is cooperation. Comparison, competition, and cooperation. And uh, the lesson points to a actually a, a really good passage of scripture to a book of the Bible that helps us conceptualize these three C's, the C's of comparisons, competition, and then cooperation. The first one, uh, comparison, uh, I I had, I mean, the lesson does tell us to think of, you know, first to read 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 11, but I began to think of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where uh, there there's, seems to have been pitted against each other these uh, leaders in the church. Uh, there's Paul, Peter, Apollos, and Christ, <laughs> as if, you know, all of these compared to him. And, and Paul, of course, uh, rightfully becomes alarmed at this compar- at this comparison. And uh, though it does not mention by Peter by name, it's called Cephas, they're using the Aramaic. Uh, it's Paul, Peter, and Apollos that are being pitted against each other. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You are not going to, number one, you get yourself sucked into this comparing us. And you're not going to tempt us to compare one another with one another. To compare myself to Apollos or to attempt uh, Apollos to compare myself against Peter. Because uh, we're humans, right? And uh, any human that gets compared and say, Oh, you are such a much better leader than so-and-so over there. You could be speaking on behalf of Satan. And uh, maybe in a later lesson, we could talk about you know healthy biblical ways of affirming and expressing gratitude. There's nothing wrong with expressing gratitude for someone's ministry that has affected you and been a blessing for you. You can certainly, you know, say, you know, things that express that appreciation without doing what we have here, comparisons. You know, you you teach better, you preach better, you draw better, you sing better, whatever. That language is language of comparison. And you and I need to run away from this sea like the plague. Right, these first two C's because comparisons inevitably lead to competition. And once we step into the realm of competition, um, two things will happen to you, right? If you begin to compare yourself with others and others become successful, quote unquote, whatever that might mean, right? You will get discouraged. You will feel like you're a failure because you've been led to uh, compete through comparisons. And the other thing that could happen is that you become successful. And you, 
you know, you try to debate which one is worse. But if you were to become successful and then you become arrogant, right? Um, either you become discouraged and risk walking away from whatever ministry God has called you to, or you become arrogant and territorial uh, about what God has asked you to do. And, and like Jesus would warn to the leaders in his time, right? Uh, you will cross land and sea to make one proselyte and then make him twice the devil you are. That's not good. <laughs> and that's what arrogant people will do. Replicate that in themselves in others. And we don't want to go there. And that's why Paul, when he begins to write, I'm going to read it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, Now I exhort you, brethren. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there's a quarrel among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So it's, it's a very strong warning. Paul can see it coming, right? If you, if, we, if you begin this route, you yourself will become fragmented and you put us as, at risk at being fragmented ourselves. You know, when I wrote these three C's down in comparison and competition, Next to competition, I put two countries, Peru and Bolivia, during the 70s and the 80s. And it's not soccer that I'm referring to. I'm talking about our church during the 70s and the 80s. Um, Peru and Bolivia were two um, separate um, associations or conferences, I guess. That's the language we would use here in um, the United States. And I really can't remember all the history. I think maybe there were divisions. Um and in any case, whatever they were institutionally, they were divided. Bolivia was here, Peru was here, and they they competed with each other for baptisms. What a what a awkward thing to do. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? At that time, it may have seemed like a good incentive. Maybe the the original thought was harmless. Like, hey, you know, let's. Let's let our pastors know that, you know, we will be kind of like the fireman playing football against the policeman, right? And those always turn out as friendly tournaments, right? Right. Anyways, um, I guess that's the, the aspect of having leaders leading. <laughs> you know, when we talked about it a few lessons ago, that so the, the work of the Holy Spirit is imperceptible sometimes, or appears to be imperceptible. As I talk to you, I'm thinking, man, um, this 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 was strange to have pitted pastor against pastor over who could baptize the most. And you can guess what the, the results were, right? Similar to Constantine when he became a Christian and he baptized his armies, right? Had them march through the rivers, come out, go in one end pagan and come out the other the other end wet pagans, right? And so this competition for baptisms um, is painful. And why did we do this? For comparison's sake and competition's sake. And we are reaping the, the consequences of it decades later. 
um, at least here in North America, I'm sure that they had similar um, uh, results because there was, where did the South Americans learn that stuff from, right? From the missionaries. So our church is not immune to this. And Paul could have written those, the, the first Corinthians could have been first Peru and second Bolivia or first uh, first Peru and Bolivia, second Peru and Bolivia. Brethren, don't do this. And conferences don't do this. And I'm, I'm happy with the leadership in our church that they don't have a chart somewhere in a wall, right, with my name on it and how baptism, how many baptisms I've had over the past 12 years of ministry. Because that can inflate people that have a lot and it can certainly lead to the spirit of competition, comparison, which will never yield the results. Any leader, conference, division, union, uh, general conference, none of us want those results, right? I know we don't. So we need wisdom because sometimes these harmless desires to create an incentive can backfire and create something wholly, totally different, totally the opposite. We want cooperation. We don't want comparisons and we don't want competitions. What we want is cooperation. And this is the, I guess, the, the contrast. Comparison and competition, the reason they, they become attractive is they, they do produce favorable, quote-unquote, favorable results in the short term, so they feel good. Comparison and competition feel good in the short term. Cooperation doesn't feel good uh, in the short term, but the long-term results of cooperation are awesome. And the reason cooperation doesn't feel good is because we already talked about that, right? In the struggle when we talked about what do you expect from your church? This is a long-term commitment of relationships you are entering into as you get baptized and you become part of the body of Christ. You're committing to a long-term relationship. And any relationship that is long-term requires work, effort, sweat, grace. So you can see why sometimes we could get seduced into a mode of comparison competition because it would yield results. We get excited at first, right? Yeah, yeah, let's let's do this. But then it gets ugly. It gets ugly. Cooperation starts uncomfortable because maybe we're not used to that in our church. Maybe I am not used to this level of accountability and transparency and, and being dependent and, and caring, you know, doing things because I care for others like Paul did for Philemon as we studied on yesterday's lesson. But it's worth it because it makes the relationship good. It makes the relationship work. It makes the relationship functional. I am not comparing myself with you. Therefore, I am not competing with you. You cannot have a relationship with those things present. Cooperation, again, appeals to us to embrace humility, to embrace the spirit of Christ, uh, to embrace the principles of acting and leading in church. So today, what can, what can be the takeaway, right? Um, it's very simple. Can you recognize when you are comparing yourself to someone else? Does it bother you that someone does something better than you? Does it bother you that someone says, boy, your K-loaf tasted, tastes so good, and no one says anything about yours? Boy, that song just touched my heart. 
but no one says that to you? Boy, that sermon. But no one says that to you? What does your heart respond? How do you respond when someone does something that others express more appreciation than when you do it? Or don't show any or mention any appreciation to you? Those are the moments where I think instead of groping and crying, we can make use of those moments and say what Psalms 139 verse 23 and 24 says. Pray that prayer, right? Pray those verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful or wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love that prayer. I pray it often. Search me, O God. Why do I feel this way? Because for you, you cannot tell other people, hey, you're acting under the principle of comparison and competition. Hey, you over there, I can really tell you for sure you're doing comparison and competition. I can't do that. Even if I were right, I can't do that. I can only affect me. I can only change me. And so when things like that happen, when I don't get nominated for something, but someone else gets nominated for what I was hoping to get nominated for, those are opportunities for me to grow as a Christian, to grow as a leader. Paul had to grow. Mark had to grow. Philemon had to grow. But you and I will be exempt from that? No. If the Apostle Paul had to grow, wouldn't I? And these are the growth opportunities. Here Paul is addressing that someone is saying, boy, when Paul preaches, I fall asleep. But when Apollos gets on the pulpit, ooh, Apollos. Or vice versa. And who's what's worse, right? Getting criticized or getting applause. Which one can be more seductive and more destructive? When Peter preaches, man, he just rushes through, and I don't I have a hard time following. But Paul, he's deep, he's thorough, he is such so knowledgeable. That that is toxic. And that can wreak havoc in any church. And so you can grow so that you can learn how to affirm. You can learn how to uh, encourage others to continue growing, always focusing them and accrediting the Lord and never the human being. But third and mostly, you yourself can protect your heart from being seduced into the comparison competition model. You are looking at cooperation in which you rejoice when someone else is able to do something so effective. Souls are one for the kingdom. You rejoice in the fact that someone's talent has been used to move the church, to inspire the church into action. You are just rejoicing in God that the church is growing, even if it's not because of something you've done. Maybe it's because of something someone else has done that has been done according to people's criteria, better, quote-unquote, than you. You rejoice that people are growing, that people are maturing, that the church is growing in health. You rejoice, and you are willing to still be a part of it. You're not going to the, a corner to sulk and say, if you're not going to play by my rules, then I'm going to pick up all my toys and go and play somewhere else by myself. Those are the attitudes that are toxic. And this lesson presents to us the better path, the path of cooperation, the path in which I will share what I have with others and I will seek to support those that are 
finding success. They're, they're, we're exhibiting, experiencing results and fruits from efforts over here. Let me do my part in making sure that what I have to give, I give. Whether people recognize it or not, whether I get applauses or recognitions or not, because I do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's appeal is. Has Paul been crucified for you? You've stopped looking at Jesus. You are looking at me. I am not your savior. Satan wants to seduce me and wants to seduce you in having people look at us. But the Bible in Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, let us run this race. Will you run, will you run like that? Will you run with your eyes fixed on Jesus? No matter how much effort and sweat you put into the church, if you, if you don't get the affirmation that maybe you expected, will you still run for Jesus with your eyes fixed on Jesus? I pray for me and for you that we will right now say, Lord, search me. If this has been part of me, forgive me and cleanse me. Change me and grow me. Teach me to fix my eyes on your son Jesus that I may run this race and cross the finish line by your grace.